Brilliant. Thank you so much. Can we give the worship team a round of applause, please? Um, I went up to Molly. I just said, I feel like that's a great transition for what I'm actually speaking on uh, with the holiness of God and worship. Um, and we're going to go, we're going to carry on afterwards, if that's okay. Um, I think I've kind of warned you guys. But um, how's everyone doing? Is everyone good? Um, I'm, ex- I'm excited for today. So can we move? Oh, is that all right? There we go. It's on a break. Cables, if you got your Bibles, if you want to turn um, to Hebrews chapter 9, and I'm going to read some scriptures from Exodus um, before that. As you know, we're doing a series through Exodus at the moment, um, and the, the heart behind it is, uh, this, will, this will probably be the last one potentially um, in Exodus, and then we're going to, uh, I feel like to do a series about finance and money. Um, and actually, it will be unlike any series you've heard on finance and money in a church, I, I, I pray. Um, but really something of a healthy view of finances and also a way on, you know, how do we build our finances in a better way? You know, with passive income, if you're working a job and you're struggling, whatever, how do you, you know, steward your wealth in a better way in order to develop and grow? And the book of Proverbs has some incredible, incredible wisdom about that. And we've got some great business people in this church I'll be drawing on um, to get their wisdom. And I pray that every one of you will prosper more as a result of that series. Um, so if you have any non-Christian friends that would like to hear and learn more about money, it's not just going to be like, hey, come give your money to the church and keep quiet. It's actually, you know what I'm saying? It's about, hey, here's how you get empowered in your finances to prosper and grow and develop and move forward so that you can build a legacy for your children's children um, in finance and whatever that is. And we have, like I say, it will be unlike anything you've heard before um, because it's something I'm very, very passionate about. Amen. Cool. Um, I'm going to need your help today. I'm going to be tag teaming uh, today with uh, Zelna, actually. Um, so I have to keep this short, amen? Um, because Zelna, if, uh, I'll introduce her later, but I'm going to try to do this in 25 minutes. Is that cool? Uh, <laughs> oh, that's funny, eh? Jokes have started today. Um, but I, I'm going to focus on worship, and Zelna's going to come and just share a bit of her heart in prayer. And because she carries an incredible warrior heart about prayer. And I'm going to be bouncing off this thing called the tabernacle. Anyone know what the tabernacle is? Yes. Luke knows what the tabernacle is. Uh, Anyone read through the entire Bible? Who got to the tabernacle part and you're like, I want to skip this part. Anyone? Let's just have a confession thing. Like All scripture is God breathed and useful. You know, and when you read the tabernacle, you think, God, what is this useful for? <laughs> Anyone ask that question? Well, I'm praying that I can uh, help you with that today, but also I'm going to cheat a little bit. Is that okay? I'm, I'm going to read a few verses from Exodus, but my main exposition will be from Hebrews 9, which interprets the tabernacle in the New Testament. Because if I read every chapter about the tabernacle, I think our church would dwindle down to its original founders. You know, I, d- I don't think many of us would be here for a lot longer. Who knows what I'm saying? Because it gets boring. Let's be honest here. Am I allowed to say that? I don't know. Uh, there's always someone out there that's like, it's not boring, you know. The candles were all put in a beautiful way. I get you. I get you. Bless your heart. I I don't know. I struggle with it. But I do get the heart of God about it. And it's so specific and takes up so much of the Bible that's actually really important. And also, I just wanted to honor Brad, Paul, and Willem for preaching, you know, the last three weeks. I didn't do it last week. But I just want to say, you guys did an absolutely fantastic job. And you guys are absolutely brilliant preachers. And it's such a joy being in, you know, team and just serving in that way. So thank you so much. Um, C.S. Lewis said this, he quoted, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in the world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Let me read that again. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in the world can satisfy, then the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. You know something about worship, the heart of God in worship is that we were made for another world. That every one of us is a worshiper. If you're here today and you're like, I don't believe in a God, I don't believe in anything. I can guarantee you that you worship something on this world. Most of the time that might be yourself. 
You know, you, we, we worship ourselves. We, we praise ourselves. We praise what we've done or what others have done. We, we look to leaders. I mean, how many people worship political leaders? It's a common thing. Look at America. There's this worship of man. There's this worship of people that you worship the person who you think can save you. You trust in that person to deliver you. You might trust in the benefit system to sustain you. Let me tell you this. There's only one sustainer. There's only one person worthy of all your worship, and that is Jesus Christ. That if you find yourself at the end of your worship, I've heard people talk about sex and say they try to find satisfaction in sex across sleeping with all these different people and they did not find it. Why not? Because there's a design by God that we were made for another world. That at the end of that is an emptiness that maybe at the bottom of every drink that you've had and you think every bit of drunkenness I have, I will eventually get satisfied and you're not satisfied. Maybe it's because you were made for another world. And what we see here is a bit of the other world coming into the present world. And it says this, the Lord said that they needed to make a tabernacle. And it says, uh, where am I? Exodus 24 Verse 15 to 18, it says, When Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days the cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire. Can you say consuming fire? fire. You know, we sing that song, Consuming fire, fan into flame. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Someone's recording me now. <laughs> oh man, snap. That was what I grew up in youth group. That's where it comes from. The consuming fire. Hebrews 12, 29. Our God is a consuming fire. And I'm praying today that as we worship, God comes and consumes everything of us. He is a God that is glorious, a God that is mighty, a God that is strong, a God that isn't just your mate, a God that is your king, a God that is raised above us, a God that is raised above everything in the earth. He is the firstborn of all creation. Before him, nothing existed. He is the one that holds everything in existence. That is the God we serve. That is the glory of God. I'm getting distracted. Then Moses entered the cloud and as he went up on the mountain and he stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. And then he tells him in chapter 25 to bring offerings for the tabernacle. And I love this in Exodus 29 uh, verse 42 to 46, like I said, I'm just jumping here and I'll focus on Hebrews 9. It says this, For the generations to come, the burnt offering is to be made regularly at the entrance to the tent of meeting or tabernacle before the Lord. There I will meet with you. Can I say there? And I will speak to you. There also I will meet with the Israelites. And the place, can you say the place? place. Will be consecrated by my glory. Can you say glory? So I will consecrate the tent of meeting or tabernacle and the altar and will consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve me as priests. Then I will dwell, can you say dwell, among the Israelites and be their God. They will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of Egypt so that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Notice, I mean, why did God take them out of Egypt? So that he might dwell amongst them. Did you know that God's heart is to dwell in a people on this earth? Did you know that God wants a place where his glory can come and settle? And you might be sitting there like, Dylan, what is the glory of the Lord? The glory of the Lord is who God is. The glory of the Lord is the very essence of God's being. That God isn't just a, it's not pantheism. It's not God's in everything, in the universe and all of this. God actually has a manifest presence, meaning, because you might be sitting there saying, Dylan, doesn't God dwell everywhere? Surely God is everywhere. Well, yes, God is everywhere, but God dwells somewhere. You see, a dwelling is different to just God being there. It's God actually appearing there. It's God looking for a people on the earth that he can come and settle amongst. You can encounter this living God today. In, verse, in chapter 40, verse 34, it says, The cloud covered the tent of morning, meeting, the tabernacle, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter this because a cloud had settled upon it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above it, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day had lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and the fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the house of Israel during all their travels. Can you say amen? Amen. 
I don't know about you, but that is exciting. That is exciting because that is the glory of the Lord dwelling on a place on this earth. How many of you want to see that? How many of you think, wow, that, that is something I would love to see? Well, I want to tell you something. God is looking for a people that are like a lightning rod where we attract the very, uh, the, the, the heavenly glory of God, that he's looking for people that are hungry after him, a people that are passionate for him, a people that say, I'm not going to live in sin. I'm choosing to live in holiness because I'm set apart for this very glory that we're talking about today. You know, the Bible said in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of what? the glory of the Lord. So what did Jesus do? He came to set you free and restore you back to what? The very glory of the Lord. Because he said, all of sin fall ashore of the glory of God and are justified freely by what? The grace that came by the one man, Jesus Christ. It carries on. And, it, and I love this because Jesus actually came and redeemed us, not just so that we could come out of Egypt, but that God's dwelling place from heaven could come onto earth. The purpose of Christianity isn't dying and going to heaven. Sadly, that was a mistake that a lot of reformers made. They focused so much on the initial conversion, they didn't focus on the part afterwards, which wasn't just behaving and becoming a good person. It was actually, I want to become a dwelling place of God himself. The very character of God can shine in and through your life. And when you do, that's the glory of God settling upon this earth. You become a lightning rod for God. Now, I wonder how many of you are thinking, what is this tabernacle he keeps going on? Can we have the picture, Ben? Do we, do we have it? Awesome, awesome. Oh, man. This is what the tabernacle was laid out like, right? Now, you might be sitting there thinking, oh, there we go. Wow, Ben, look at you. <laughs> I actually forgot the other picture that shows you what the actual tabernacle looks like. So, my bad on that one. <laughs> But this is how it was laid out. They had these different things. In the outer courtyard, they had what was called the altar of burnt offerings and a lava or a wash basin where the priests would enter regularly. That was called the outer court. Now, what the priests would do, they would come in there, and before anyone could do anything, as a part of their worship, they had to make sure there was a sacrifice of a burnt offering, which was for the guilt that the people had committed in their sins. So they had to sacrifice something at the altar court, but then the priests had to wash themselves, wash their hands before they could do anything in the tabernacle. Why? Because God needed a standard of holiness. Now you might be sitting there saying, Dylan, why is it that this was set up like this? The reason I believe is that God was showing us that worship costs something. Worship wasn't just something that happened there. There was a holiness to God's worship, a holiness to who God is, that there was a process to approaching God. Now it says in Hebrews 9 verse 1, now the first covenant, or the, what we're talking about here, the law, in the first covenant, they had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary, Hebrews 9 verse 1. So what you're seeing here is the first covenant's regulations for worship. This is what had to happen. Now, if you see in Catholic Orthodox traditions, people still do this a lot of the time. They spray water or you're washing your hands in a basin. When you walk into some more traditional churches, people have a, a wash basin or something like that. It's built on this premise. Now, I don't, I don't want to knock other churches. That's not my purpose here. But I want to say something. We're in a different covenant. The regulations for worship in the old, it's pointing to something of a reality in the new. Amen? You with me? Cool. So the priests entered regularly here, and they went through what was called the gate on the east side, which is where the tribe of Judah dwelt. Now, I don't know about you, but where did Jesus come from? What tribe? The tribe of Judah. Come on. And where, so what did Jesus say in John chapter 10? I am the? <laughs> John 14, guys. John 10. He's talking about the sheep in the pen. What did he say? There were seven I am statements in John. One of them was, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He'll come in and go out and find pasture. That's who Jesus is. So Jesus was a representation of the gate. There's only one gate in this whole tabernacle. There's only one way of approaching the very throne room of God. And that's through the gate on the east side, which is where Jesus came from. Come on, Jesus is the gate. He is the one who comes in. He is the perfect burnt offering that atones everything for your guilt. He is the one who washes himself and makes you clean, unlike anyone else can make you clean. Amen. Then you go into what's called the holy place. Now, 
They had a table of showbread, which is similar to what we have communion kind of thing, representation of that, a menorah, golden lampstand, an altar of incense where prayers and praise would go up. Amen? I don't have time to focus on this, but then there was a thing called the veil. And the veil separated you from what was called the holy of holies or the most holy place. Now, in the most holy place, you had the Ark of the Covenant and the gold star and the gold-covered Ark of the Covenant, and within the gold-covered Ark of the Covenant, there were three things. There were the stone tablets that had broken, there was Aaron's staff that had budded, and the gold jar of manna. Three things represented in that Ark. And I'm going to focus on this here, but let me just read something. It says, a tabernacle was set up in Hebrews 9 verse 2. In its first room were the lampstand, the table, the consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. That's what you've seen in the middle there. Then it says, behind the second curtain... Uh, sorry, can you keep that picture up, Brother Ben? Behind the second curtain was a room called the Most Holy Place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered Ark of the Covenant. The Ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that abutted, and the stone tablets of the covenant. Above the Ark were the cherubim of glory, or angels of glory, overshadowing the atonement cover, but we cannot discuss these things in detail now. We will now, don't worry. When everything had been arranged like this, the priest entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. Now, what's interesting here is in this Ark of the Covenant, those three things represented something very important. Aaron's staff that had budded, who knows the story, is when the people of Israel rebelled against the leadership of Moses and Aaron. And what they said is, look, we'll put up three, we'll, we'll put up all these staffs, and the one that buds is, shows who God's anointed is in the morning. And Aaron's staff budded. So it represented their rebellion against the people that God had chosen to lead them. So rebellion was in the Ark of the Covenant. Then you had the stone tablets of the covenant, which represented the lawlessness the people had done in breaking the law of God in there. And then you had the, gold, the golden jar of manna. I'm trying to get this right. This is a lot of information I'm going through. Yeah, you guys coping with it. Cool. Is, this is like teaching on steroids, right? <laughs> I'm trying yeah. Is you had the gold, golden jar of manna, that represented God's provision. Remember when they complained, God, where's the food? Where's the food? You left us to die. People not trusting in God. All the sins of man right in there, in the gold covenant, ark in the covenant. But that ark was seen as the very dwelling place of God on earth. The very presence of God was represented in the ark of the covenant. But where the dwelling place was, was not in the ark. It was on top of the ark, what was called the mercy seat, the atonement cover. And the, the angels were looking over at this. And when the high priest entered, and he could only enter this place once a year, and he had to offer blood. And if he had sinned, he would die. If he came in without the blood sacrifice, he would be dead. So much so that people tied a rope around his leg in case he died because they're not going in to fetch him. Imagine Willem was a high priest. <laughs> Imagine Willem went in and I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm not going in to get him. Like, Willem, where are you? Where are you? You just see a leg twitching. I'm like, oh no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not risking it. No, I'll tie the rope and we'll pull him out. Why? Because they were so scared of the presence of God because it was such a holy place that they couldn't just enter in just with familiarity. And that me and Paul were talking about this. There's almost like this familiarity that's crept in and we've lost the fear of God. But, but let me not get distracted. So you had these three things in the ark and these angels looking down on the atonement cover, which was a place where the priest would enter and he would put a blood sacrifice of an unblemished lamb would have to go on that cover in order to make atonement for the sins of the people. So that when God, the Israelites saw it as God looking down, his very dwelling, his presence himself coming down on the earth, he would see the blood and he would not see the rebellion of man. He would see the blood and not the lawlessness of man. He had see the blood and not the distrust of mankind. He, because that cover covered the sins of the nation of Israel. It was a covering that protected them from the very wrath of God. That's what that was. But what's beautiful is this veil was a massive veil. 
And who remembers the story, I think Matthew 27, verse 51, where it says, when Jesus died, what happened? The curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. That was torn because when Jesus cried out, it is finished, it was totally finished, and it was torn in two. So that, what, what veil was he talking about? That veil. He was talking about the very veil that kept people from the presence of God. When Jesus died, he tore the veil so that people could have access to the very throne room of God himself. Come on. You might be like, Dylan, but surely I can't enter the throne room of God. Surely I can't dwell with God. Surely I can't be at peace with God. Let me tell you something. Jesus... But get to this, this gets even better, guys. <laughs> Come on. Jesus uh, paid the price for your sins. But when God looked, think about this in the Old Testament, he saw the blood, he didn't see their lawlessness. You might be like, Dylan, I've got a pornographic addiction. How do I get free from this? You need the presence of God to get free of that, my friend. That's what you need. But what you start doing, is, if, if you're a sinner like me, <laughs> what you do is when you sin, where do you go? You run from the presence or towards the presence. You run away rather than two. Because we have this religious mindset of the first covenant that there were regulations for worship that we think in order for me to be able to lift my hands and worship today, I have to have not watched porn for three weeks. What have you done? You've got yourself into a legalistic mindset that thinks that you earn the presence of God, which is an insult to God, which is actually self-righteousness, which is a greater sin. <laughs> Just to encourage you. <laughs> But Jesus comes and he makes a new way. I, I, I want to get to Jesus. If you haven't noticed that, I'm like, I'm like a horse reined in. I'm like, we need to get to Jesus. If, if that's what you, you're getting here. But you might be like, Dylan, I committed adultery. Surely I cannot come and worship God. I'm a hypocrite. Let me tell you something. The blood of bulls and goats covered them so that God did not see their lawlessness. He saw the blood. And the writer in Romans chapter 3, verse 25, it says, God presented Jesus as a sacrifice of atonement, talking about that. That word atonement is the word for mercy seat, which you see in the Ark of the Covenant, that God presented who? Jesus to make you right with God as a sacrifice for your sins in order that you could be justified just as if you never sinned because God's standard doesn't drop. He raises you to a standard as a free gift. Hallelujah. I remember, I, I don't know, you know, you, you might be saying that, Dylan, I saw it someone in the traffic on the way to church. I, <laughs> let's not look that way. <laughs> Dylan, I, you know, I, my boss and me, I had a father punch someone in the face. Well, I don't know what you did this week. What sins you did. You might just be sitting there thinking, thank God I didn't do any of those. Pride. Repent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I did any of those, by the way. Can I just um, <laughs> confess? As my wife knows, I'm perfect in every way. <laughs> but the, the thing is, we're, we're all on this journey, and it's not making light of sin, it's making much of Him. It's not saying, hey, I didn't sin. It's, you see, notice something. God doesn't just throw the tablets away. He doesn't just throw away and hide this. He says, actually, no, no, no. We're going to deal with this the right way. Here it is. Here's what you guys did. It's a reminder to the whole nation. You rebelled against me. You rebelled against uh, leadership. You rebelled against the law. You rebelled against my provision. Here's the thing. Is I'm, I'll remind you of that, but I, I want to make you right with me so that you can worship. It says this in verse 8, the Holy Spirit was showing this by this, that the, the way into the most holy place, can you say the way, right. had not yet been disclosed while the first tabernacle was still standing. So it hadn't yet been made a way. What did Jesus say? I am the way. There's a new way. Uh, Hebrews 10 verse 19, it says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, can you say confidence, confidence. to enter the most holy place, which is where? where only the high priest could enter, since we have confidence to enter that place. Notice before, I don't know about you, if I was a high priest, I wouldn't have confidence. <laughs> Especially if the nation can cause you to die as well. It's like all of you guys doing your lives, and I'm the one that's got to go walk into this Holy of Holies. I'd be like, nah. <laughs> Someone else can take one for the team on this journey, yeah. But, Jesus, but it says, right of Hebrews, Hebrews 10, 19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter what? The most holy place, by what? A new and living way 
through the curtain that opened for us, that is his body. Jesus' body was the way that we enter into the most holy place. It's beautiful. But these guys, these Hebrews, were confused with what do we do with the law? Surely we can't just um, let go of the sacrificial system. Surely we can't let go of the ceremonial law. Surely we can't let go of the moral law. And it, it says this, this is an illustration for the present time indicating the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of a worshiper. Any of you ever had a conscience that struggled to worship God? Just haven't felt like you've be, you're worthy enough to even praise God. You know why? Because those sacrifices, all your good works aren't good enough to cleanse your conscience. There's only one thing that's good enough and it is the blood of Jesus. Because here's the thing, and, and this is good news. Are you guys ready for some good news? This is brilliant. When Christ came as high priest of the good things that are here, remember who could enter the most holy place? Only the high priest. Who came as the high priest? Jesus. He went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made. That is to say, not a part of this creation. He did not enter by the means of blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. Once for all. You know what's amazing? It says, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean, but inwardly still dirty. How much more than will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. You know, it amazes me when I go to Israel, these, uh, when you go and visit Israel, where's the sacrificial system? If you're still under the law, where are the sacrifices to make atonement? Because Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. If you're going to trust in the first covenant, you have to go the whole way. Sacrificial, ceremonial, moral, every law needs to be kept fully or else you're not right with God. New covenant, Jesus comes in. He says, I'm not going to just shed the blood of bills and goats. I'm going to shed my own blood so that you are made right. I will obtain eternal redemption, not just temporal covering. I'm not just covering your sin. I'm making you a new creation. It's a new way. It's not an old way. That when you approach God, I've got four minutes. <laughs> when you approach God, you can approach with confidence in Jesus' name. And I want to, oh man, I've run out of time here. Oh, Jesus, thank you, Lord. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, let's. <laughs> Ish. Mm. There's so much good stuff. John, in Exodus 40, it says, Moses finished the work and then the glory of the Lord dwelt upon the tabernacle. You know something, John 19, 30, Jesus finished what? The work, and what happens? The glory of God can dwell in us, the new living temple of God. You know, 2 Corinthians 6.16, that he says, we are the temple of the living God. Jesus died so that your body can be a temple. People use that just to talk about moralistic behavior. That's one part of it. But also remember the other part is God's very glory wants to dwell in you. And when people look at you, they see the very character of God. That's what he longs for. As a non-Christian here today, you might be saying, Dylan, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what sins I've done. I don't, and to be honest, I don't really care. Because I know what Jesus has done, and what he's done is more than enough in order to make you right with the Father in heaven. Because he provided him as a sacrifice for you. In John 1.14, it says this, Jesus came, am I giving you enough scripture today? It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. That word for dwelling is tabernacle. Jesus tabernacled amongst us. And when he came with his body, he came with the very glory of God to dwell amongst mankind so that you and I could have access to the Father. Notice Jesus tore the curtain, not so much that we could just get access to the throne room of God, but that the presence of God could pursue mankind without killing them. Hallelujah. Our God is a holy God, a mighty God, and a strong God. But he's also a loving father who wants a relationship with us and he wants to know us, but also he wants his very presence to dwell amongst his people. And you, Hebrews 10, I'll end here. It says this, um, the law is a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly, year after year, make perfect those who draw near, can you say near, to worship. 
Those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it's impossible, can you say impossible, for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. The blood of bulls and goats could only cover sins. It could not take away sins. Jesus' blood is more strong and more mighty that he can actually deal with your sin, take it away and make you new in him, that you can dwell in the very tabernacle glory of God as a free gift by his righteousness and grace. Amen. Friends, I'm going to invite Zelna up. Can we give Zelna a massive round of applause? And this, can I just honor Zelna as she comes to just, she just wants to exhaust you in prayer. Because we've done worship here, but prayer is such a big part. But this woman, I've asked her to, you know, head up some prayer ministry, you know, in the church. And, and she's just, a, 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 I don't even know how to describe you, Zelna, but a fire that cannot be consumed. You know, like the burning bush. It's just, I'm waiting for it to burn up, but it's not. You know, because on a prayer meeting on Thursday, I was you don't, you don't slow down. It's because you've got such a heart for prayer, such a mighty heart. And just walking into that prayer room, I feel the very presence of God around you. I just want to encourage you, Zelna. You are loved here. You are treasured. And you have something to share with us. So go for it. Thank Bless you, Pastor. You. Thank you. And um, thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate God. And um, the word of the Lord say, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And thank you, Pastor Dylan, for showing us it's only through Jesus Christ that we can truly enter in. And this morning, I'm really, I feel honored. I feel blessed by God's grace that I've been able to come and just share a little bit. But the, our, my mission today is prayer. And I really want us just to experience the upper room experience. I think we are in a season and a time that we really need the Holy Spirit just to come and consume us uh, fresh and just uh, the fire of the Lord to be ignited again in our spirits so that we can pray and worship. And uh, I just, I don't have a lot of scriptures, I'm afraid, but I just have one. <laughs> and it's in Philippians uh, 2, 10, verse 11, and that it said, In the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So there's no controversy. Jesus Christ is Lord. And I believe that True Life Church is a church where Jesus Christ has been exalted. And this morning we really want to just continue to lift up the name of Jesus. Um, the upper room experience, I believe, is um, for us really at True Life Church as we kind of move into a new season of prayer and just church just being known as the house of God. I think that the Lord said, let my house be known as the house of God. And I've brought us really to get our hearts and our mindset that when we walk in here, we're walking into the house of God. So that we have not been any confusion. And um, the, the upper room experience is just a two brief uh, uh, scriptures. And it is in X, uh, X number one, verse um, uh, 13 and 14. And when they have entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Patumias and Matthew, James, the son of the big name, and Simon and Charlotte and Judas, the son of James. These all continue with one accord, praying and prayers and supplications with the woman Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So I also want to just say here, prayer is not just for women. Prayer is for all of us, men and women. It's been declared in the word of the Lord. The women were there, but there were also men. So we thank God uh, for our men that are also, uh, God also wants us all to be in one accord. And I think there's so much power in the prayer of agreement. Because they were there together in one accord and they were in intercession. And intercession is basically where we all just come into a place and to a posture that we can seek the Lord for ourselves, but also for other people. And I believe when we pray for other people, praying for ourselves comes really easy. 
because I've, I've got just a little bit of my, um, uh, of my history. I've married, thank God, an intercessor. And when I married this guy, I said, oh, God, I can't really pray. Where am I wearing this man? He prays so long. But as... <laughs> But as we know, uh, pray together as a couple, uh, being engaged, and pray together as, 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 as newlyweds. You know, uh, praying together, it really stirred me up. And as um, we, we pray together, I grow in prayer. And I think we, we, we sometimes say, oh God, I can only pray for five minutes. But start with that five minutes. Because with that five minutes, you will grow and grow. Because that's where I started. I started with five minutes and I was finished and he will go on and on and on. But I, you know, I just thank God that I was starting in there. And I've somehow have catched what he has. And I thank God even, um, unfortunately, we came to this country. And two years after I've been to this country, we're about 10 years married. Uh, my husband passed, my first husband passed away. And I said, oh my God, I had two small children, uh, four years and eight years old. And I said, oh God, what am I going to do now? My, my family wanted me to come back to South Africa, but I felt the Lord wanted me to be here. So I said, I will stay here. But I will only stay here, Lord, if you are the one that's going to go before me. And I thank God by his grace and his mercy. Every time I didn't want it ever to be a single mom, I was thrashing to being a single mom of two young children. I, ne I never knew how it was to be a widow. I was widowed at 38 years old. And I said, oh my God, these experiences, I've, I've never bargained for that. I wanted to grow old with my husband. I had plans for us <laughs> to grow old together. And suddenly I was thrashed in this situation that I'm a single mom, I'm a widower, I have small children, I've got a full-time job. But God is forever faithful. He said, whoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And every time when I felt I was in a corner and I call on the name of the Lord, sometimes I had to prostrate and just say, God, I don't know what to do. Take over. And he was always faithful. I've got two beautiful daughters. And by God's grace, as children do, they go through the challenges at school. They go through challenges at university. And I would say, God, you are my husband. You take over. And God has been faithful. And I thank God and I want to encourage everybody with young children, young adults. God is faithful. And he said, when we call upon us, he will surely answer us. And I thank you. My daughter says, Zelna, you're the proudest mom in Milton Keynes. And I said, yes, because of my God. I'm serving a big God. And I believe God has big plans for True Life Church. So we mustn't put God in a box. We must not put God in a box because he is big. And today, I really just um, briefly just want to say, let us all come together in agreement. Because there's power in the prayer of agreement. There's power in the prayer of intercession. And we've got different types of prayers. And maybe some other time I will, we'll speak about different types of prayer. But today, I really want us just to go into the prayer of agreement. We had um, Women's Day over, um, on Wednesday we had Women's Day. And really my heart went out to the women, especially our vulnerable women that we have in the society. We have single moms, we got widow, widowers, and obviously I have experience about that. But we also have women that ex were experienced in tremendous domestic violence, tremendous, tremendous violence against women. And today I really want us really to bring the woman before the throne of God. Today we're going to pray, ladies and gentlemen, and I really want us to start with the woman. Because you know the, 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 our Lord Jesus came through a woman. And I believe, woman, you are powerful. You got what it takes. 
You got what it takes. So if we can all stand up and bring the woman before the, uh, the trace of God. We first bring uh, our vulnerable woman because I believe God has a place for our vulnerable woman. And God wants to really do something for our vulnerable woman. With the board said, can these bones live? And I believe the bones of the vulnerable woman can live. So let's bring the... Uh, the, the can we just bring every other, the woman before your throne, the throne of grace. Father God, we just thank you for the woman, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have fashioned us. You have made us, Lord, into your image, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you love the woman with everlasting love, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, as we celebrated Women's Day, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you have looked upon us, Lord. You have loved upon us, Father God. But Father God, God, you are also not happy, Lord, with women that been marginalized, women, domestic violence being against our women. And today, Lord, we want to cry out to you and we say, Lord, have mercy upon our women, Lord. Remember our women, Lord, that are being in situations, Lord, that they can't even speak, Lord. We pray today, Lord, that the voice of women will be heard in this city, in this nation, in the name of Jesus. Oh, we pray, Father God, that you will touch our woman, Lord, our young woman, Lord, with single moms, Lord, our widowers, Lord, our woman in domestic violence, Lord, our woman that's in the sex trafficking. Oh, Father God, we want to bring all our women before your throne of grace this morning. And we want to say, Lord, have your wonderful way in our woman, Lord. We want to say, Lord, raise up those women. Raise them up for your glory and for the advancement of your kingdom, my Lord. And we thank you for those women, Lord, because we know, Lord, that you will lift them up and you will restore them to their rightful place in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father God, we want to thank every woman in the body of Christ. We want to thank the woman in this church, the leadership in this church, and we say, Father God, thank you for your hand that's upon them. We pray, Father God, that you will sustain every woman in this church, Lord. That you will bring the, every woman in this church to their full potential in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that every woman in this church will rise up as a prayer warrior in this church in the name of Jesus. Let there be a shaking amongst our women. Let there be a stirring of your spirit amongst our woman. Let our woman arise and shine. Lord, let your glory shine upon the woman of this church in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, we thank you for Anna, Lord. We thank you that she's been born for a time like this, Lord. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you will trust him to your fullness and to your glory, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the fresh action of your spirit that will just rest upon her as she help and assist Pastor Dylan for the work of the Lord. Lord, we thank you that they have been separated for a time like this, Father God. And we want to say thank you for their lives, Lord. Bless them, Lord. Bless their marriage, Lord. Bless every marriage in this church, my Lord, for your glory. Bless every family, Lord, in this, in this church, in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father God, we want to bring our men before your throne of grace, Lord. We thank you that our men will be restored as priests in the house of, of God, as priests in their homes, Lord. Let there be restoration of our men, Lord. Lord, I cry out to you for our men, Lord, in this church, in this city, Lord. Let our men be restored to their rightful place in Christ, Lord. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, Lord. Where our men have been bound, Lord, Lose them for your glory, Lord. Lose our men, Father God, from every addiction, Lord. Lose them, lose them, lose them today, Lord. Let our men walk out here free and delivered by the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus, Lord. We thank you. There's no other name 
but the name of Jesus that we call upon this morning. And we say thank you, Lord, that our men's minds are touched. Lord, we pray the mind that's in Christ Jesus. Let it be the, the mind of our men today, Lord. Let our, our men's hearts be turned holy unto you, my God. Oh, siabo sikies kaba sikienasieski. Siabo sikies kabo sikienasieski. Siabo sikienasiabo sikieski. Thank you, Lord, for reviving the prayer life of our men, Lord. Yes, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Kaba sikieski. Siabo sikienasiabo sikieski. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for doing a new thing in the lives of all our men, Lord. Thank you that they are a royal priesthood. They are a now holy nation, and they are called forth by you, my Lord. Thank you for their lives, my Lord Jesus. We bless them forever. I bless you for every man in this house, Lord. Thank you for them, Lord, that they will take their rightful place in the body of Christ, that our men will take their rightful place in their homes, Lord, that they will be the priest of their homes in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We bless you, my Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for restoring our families. Lord, we thank you that you are a family man. You said you are our father. And you are a family, Lord. And we bring every family before your throne of grace this morning. Lord, we want to think of families where there have been adoptions. We want to think of families, Lord Jesus, where there's been foster care. We want to think of all our families, our blended families. Lord, you love every family. And today, Lord, we bring every family before your throne of grace. And we say, have mercy upon our families, Lord. We pray for a spirit of love and unity to prevail in our families in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father God, any family that is struggling today, Lord, whatever, is it financially, is it physical health, Lord, we bring it before your throne of grace. Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides, Lord, we pray that you will provide for every family today, Lord, whatever is needed in families today, God, that you will truly provide in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are rich and your fullness, Lord, and we can tap into your fullness this morning in the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, we thank you for, the, for this morning. We give you praise, Lord. We honor you, King of kings and Lord of Lords. We thank you for restoring families, Lord. We thank you for restoring our men and our women and our young people, Lord Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, let's bring our young people before the throne of God. I'm a mental health nurse and I see the struggles of our young people on a daily basis. But today we want to say, let there be an end of gender confusion in our young people. Let there be an end to our people struggling with their mental health. Let's cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, have mercy upon our young people, our young adults, Lord. Restore their identity to you, Lord. Oh, Lord, we rebuke the spirit of mental illness over on our young people, our young adults, Lord, and we declare and declare that our young people have been set free from the bondage of mental illness, from the bondage of, 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 of the identity confusion, Lord Jesus. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you reveal yourself.
love unto our young fool, people this morning. Oh, siaba yes, kabo Touch the hearts and the and the minds of our young people today, Lord. Restore them, Lord. I pray for healing and wholeness in our young people, my Lord, and those that have been going through traumatic experiences. Oh, my God, I pray that the healing balm of Gideon will be applied upon every brokenness, Lord, every wound, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you will heal our young people. Heal them, Lord. Heal them. Heal them, Jesus. Oh, your words say by your stripes we are healed, Lord. And this afternoon we want to pray for the healing and wholeness of our young people. You are in need of our young people, Lord. And we want to lose our young people for your glory and for your honor, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you praise, Lord. We give you honor. Hallelujah. 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 I would just like us to also take a few prayers, especially for, um, for Africa, and especially for Nigeria and Ghana. We have really a lot of... Um, uh, abductions taking place there for ritual killings and we need to cry out to the Lord because innocent blood has been shed there on a daily basis. And today we want to say, Lord, in your mercy, remember these people. Let there be an end to the shedding of innocent blood. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you love the people of Nigeria. You love the people of Ghana. Even in South Africa, we have ritual killings. Lord, we want to bring them all before your throne of grace. And we ask for mercy, Lord Jesus. We pray, Father God, let there be an end to the violence. Let there be end of shedding of innocent blood, Lord Jesus. Oh, siaba sikies kabo sikieski. Siaba sikies kabo sikieski. We pray, Lord, that the blood of Jesus will speak of greater things for these nations today, Lord. Let the blood of Jesus call against every voice of accusation, Lord. Let the blood of Jesus bring healing and deliverance to these people, my Lord. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are merciful. Have mercy upon these people, Lord. We repent for innocent blood that's been shed, Lord. And we say, have mercy in the name of Jesus. Can we pray for United Kingdom? Can we trust the Lord that the Lord will bring godly counsel into our government? That the will of the Lord will prevail over this nation. That there will be a new stir. That there will be a new flame of fire. Let the winds of revival will blow from city to city, from county to county, in the name of Jesus. Oh, siabo sikies, kabo sikieski. Siabo sikies, kabo sikieski. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Lord, for your Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord, breathe upon this nation. Breathe your breath of life into this nation, Lord. We pray for godly counsel amongst our political leaders, our church leaders, Lord. Let there be unity about amongst our churches, Lord, in the, the body of Christ, Lord, so that the winds of revival can flow, Lord, from County to county, from city to city, let mountain kings be set ablaze for you, Lord. Kaba sikies, kabo sikieski, siabo sikies, kabo sikieski. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for answering us. We give you praise and we give you glory, and we say thank you, Lord, that you are a God that answers prayers. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.